Hello and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosophy, the one true podcast where we've been pissing off our own fans since January of 2009. And we do it with such skill that no other podcast can equal it. All uh, We've been pissing off all of our podkin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our, yes. Our friends but, in podkin. But that's okay, because anybody that goes by the name of podkin deserves to be pissed off. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about this comment we got on our website. All right. Uh, Bryce Gilbert, he says, Come on, guys. A kid not believing in God that young is not a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about the, uh, the claim of this other reviewer that she was an atheist at age seven. Yeah. Well, we haven't quite decided if it's a she or a he. There could be a man dancing with seven veils. It's possible. He goes on, uh, and to criticize someone for listening to the podcast and posting a fucking review on iTunes is weird. I don't want to be weird. I kind of like being weird. A review is an opinion, right? You say that the person is not forced to listen so that they don't have to be offended? Yeah, and I'm sure they have stopped listening after that review. Well, (laughs) (laughs) We hate to disappoint, but... uh... (laughs) That's not the case. Clearly this person is hanging on our every word because (laughs) now the review is twice as long and she's removed a star. So now we only have one star in that review. (laughs) So I'm sorry, but you kind of fall flat on your face there by claiming that uh, maybe they wrote the review and ran away. Uh, We all know that if someone's out there writing a bitchy review that they're going to wait and see if we say anything (laughs) about it. I mean, come on. Uh, I got two things to say to this uh, Dance of the Seven Veils lady in your one-star review. If you want to come on the show and uh, dress us down about how heterosexist we are, then send us an email. We'd be happy to interview you. Otherwise, eat a dick. (laughs) And I mean that in the least heterosexist way possible. Should we do the uh, skunk dicks? (laughs) Yes, please. Uh, Let's see... My favorite skunk dick of this week is Peter Popoff. Do you know who Peter Popoff is? Didn't until you introduced me to him. Peter Popoff is an idiot who uh, was a faith healer in the late 70s and early 80s until... And he'd go around, it's amazing, he'd go around and say, is there like an Alice Cooper in the audience? And this old lady would stand up, yeah, I'm Alice Cooper. You go, you live on 1627 North Street Boulevard? You got arthritis in your hip? Oh, it's amazing. It's unbelievable how specific this guy, like God was actually talking to him, right? Yeah, well, where was his earpiece? James Randi found his earpiece with a wireless scanner, which was really high-tech at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and she, they caught his wife feeding this information. They'd interviewed all these people beforehand, and she would feed this information. And So they broadcast it on Tonight Show, and uh, apparently he you know, rapidly went bankrupt after that. But he's back. PeterPopoffMinistries.com Welcome to Peter Popoff Ministries. Reverend Peter Popoff, People United for Christ founder, has utilized every media to communicate the supernatural good news of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to a lost and dying world. Uh, He has exploded onto the Christian scene with an energy for the supernatural and for the miraculous movements for God to heal and save millions of people around the world. Isn't that amazing what short memories we have? In addition, through many television markets and networks in the United States and Canada, God's positive message of healing salvation. Now he's trying to um, get you to buy in his miracle spring water uh, and uh, (laughs) call this number or submit the form below to get your miracle spring water and debt cancellation kit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, now this is the great part because they have all these videos where all these people are getting up and they're like, oh, I followed everything you said and God blessed me. He took my debt away. Yeah, right. And you know, we all know how accurate these anecdotal evidences are. Um, they did, a, I don't know if it was a Mythbusters or a, a documentary on this fake uh, infomercial that blew up and <laughs> had flames rise out of there. They paid some people in the audience twenty bucks to say what a wonderful product it was on camera, and they did. Yeah, I remember seeing that. That was hilarious to watch. Yeah. So this guy's back. Uh, it's it's amazing to me that uh, he can even show his face again after that episode with James Randi. Uh, the most amazing thing to me is with everything going on with the Catholic Church. Should you really put touching, hurting people around the world at the very top <laughs> of your website? I mean, how many of those people are going to hold up dolls saying, he touched me here? Right where it hurt. 
<laughs> it didn't make me feel good inside. <laughs> what else you got? All right. Well, this one was actually posted on the forum, and it is, <laughs> it is, penis pump judge faces stiff sentence. And apparently, there's this retired U.S. judge who, uh, during his reign as a judge, would sit there as he's talking to people and just start pumping up his penis. <laughs> well, in all fairness, who hasn't done that? Yeah, yeah, well, in all fairness, when uh, he's got a court reporter by the name of Lisa Foster, and she keeps hearing, shh, 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 <laughs> and she's walking around trying to figure out what it is and she discovers <laughs> that he's pumping up his penis and that she has seen his penis for 15 times the most shocking thing is is this is her statement I was really shocked and I was kind of scared because it was so bizarre don't be afraid of the penis it's your friend it's I'm like not, a little guy with a hat I'm not convinced she was really shocked after the 15th time no no in fact I'm pretty sure as soon as everybody in there started hearing, shh, 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 they're like, oh, there we go again. <laughs> Here it comes. Ten-minute recess, Judge. <laughs> During the emotional testimony of a murdered toddler's grandfather, the grandfather was getting really teary-eyed, and the judge was up there pumping on that pump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love his defense, though. It was a gag gift from a longtime friend with whom he had joked about erectile dysfunction. And then he states, well, in 2020 hindsight, I should have thrown it away. Well, um, I probably shouldn't have used it those 30 times. <laughs> 30? From this, she only got him 15 <laughs> times, and you're only getting caught about 10% of the time. <laughs> that was a mistake to use that thing 150 times in the courtroom while I'm actually listening to cases. Yeah, yeah, while well, you've got someone crying next to you and you're just like oh yeah yeah I, I understand and I feel your pain <laughs> well the Phelps are in the news again uh, anti-gay church can protest military funerals judge rules federal judge is struck down as unconstitutional in Missouri law aimed at preventing members of a Kansas based religious group those are the uh, Westboro Baptist Church clan from conducting inflammatory protests outside the funerals of fallen U.S. service members now he said that um this state statute violated free speech protections guaranteed in the First Amendment. Uh, and uh, he said that, you know, although the speech may be repugnant to listeners, the court finds that at a minimum some of the plaintiff's speech is entitled to constitutional protection. And it's unfortunate, but I can't disagree with that. I'm having a hard time disagreeing with that. Uh, truth be told, I can't disagree with, with the judge's decision on this. I mean, we cannot just go out there and stomp on somebody's freedom of speech just because they are complete fucking retards. It's painful because these guys are testing the limits of free speech here. Yeah. They are picketing a soldier for the sole purpose essentially of attention whoring, right? They want yeah. news to descend upon it and they want to be interviewed by these people and they want attention. This uh, soldier who gave his life uh, for the country, who, who you know was doing uh, what he thought was best and uh, laid down his life for the country, um, has nothing to do with these guys, and their thought process is ludicrous. Yeah. They're holding these signs that say, God hates fags, thank God for dead soldiers, and 9-11 gift from God. Their idea is that God's killing soldiers because we have the audacity to tolerate gay people. Yeah, let, let so, me put this. So point. God doesn't strike down the lawmakers or you know these uh, urban enclaves that that are, are cesspools of gay rights <laughs> activists. God strikes uh, you know American soldier over in Iraq, thousands of miles away, uh, and suddenly it's God. Now let me the put God this of as these Baptists is a total asshole. Yeah, yeah, and he's also a pussy. Because if the yeah. God of you Baptists was in real life, wouldn't we be seeing earthquakes? Wouldn't we be seeing the death of the firstborn? If I start seeing that, I'll go kick the shit out of a fag because suddenly God will be there and he hates fags. But would right you, now... Would you really? No, actually, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd, I'd really go after God's ass at that point because he'd just be a fucker at that point. But it was fun to say, wasn't it? I, I can't think of any reason why I would go beat up a gay person. I uh, can't really either. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
But yeah, your God's a pussy. That's what I wanted to get across. Now, I, I do disagree with the judge when he struck down that, uh, I, I mean, these lawmakers, they weren't stupid. They knew that this little uh, law they put into effect was going to get uh, taken off. So they threw in a secondary law, which was, okay, well, if this is struck down, then they can't come within 300 feet to do their protests. The judge struck that down, and I don't know if I, I agree with that, because that means that these idiots can now be within three feet of the grave if they want and stand there shaking their signs. And the fucked up part is, is if one of the family members knocks their ass out, suddenly the law is going to beat up the family member. Right, and the Phelps family are uh, populated primarily by attorneys. <laughs> yeah, they're waiting. They're just waiting for this to happen. Um, uh, unfortunately, I believe the result of this is uh, there's going to be a lot of beatings uh, laid down on the Phelps family, and unfortunately, the secondary result of that will be lots of lawsuits and probably lost money. Yeah. Uh, by these people who were just trying to have a funeral by themselves. I mean, this ruling really uh, invites violence. I know yeah. if if I were at a funeral of a, of a good friend and completely unrelated, this asshole group of Baptists come up uh, and they are picketing for, for absolutely no reason whatsoever the funeral. Yeah. Uh, it would I would be hard-pressed to respect their freedom of speech. Good friend, my ass. What about the fathers, the mothers, the, the daughters, the brothers, the sisters? I mean, you are basically spitting in the face of a family who's already in pain, and that's just fucked up. If I feel like going to Kansas right now, throwing on a hood and just beating the shit out of all of them. All right, so let, let, let's end this shit. What's your vote? Uh, my vote is the Fred Phelps idiots. Yeah, I'd like to go for the judge with the penis pump, but that guy is my hero. So I'm going with Phelps, too. Yeah, all right. Well, let's feed it into the computer. The winner is a Wiccan witch who is selling booty enhancement for $8.95. But here's the great thing. Free shipping. <laughs> Well, I'm glad he doesn't charge because usually on eBay they'll they'll put up a little price like a dollar ninety nine. It'll be like fifty bucks to ship, right? Yeah. So at least this guy uh, ships his spell for free. Yeah. Now the real question is: this like booty in the can where you just kind of pump it up, just like the penis pump, or uh, what exactly does this spell entail? I don't know. It says this spell will help you develop the sexy curvy booty you always wanted. <laughs> well, I think. I think the most telling thing about this whole thing is at the very bottom where it says, Serious Inquiries Only Please. Yes. Um, I like, if you want this cell single cast, order the quantity of one, you can get it up to triple cast, and each multiple casting makes the spell more powerful. Do you think they'll do penises? Because mine just hasn't seen anything. <laughs> Greetings, my name is Amelia. I have been a spellcaster for 20 plus years. All spells are cast by me, sometimes with the assistance of my coven. My spells are strong and very effective. <laughs> Upon purchase of a spell, I will set up an altar solely for your spell to be cast. Be assured your desired outcome will receive they my undivided attention. They even spelled altar wrong. Well, it's not like altar personality, it's altar with an A. She's, she's a witch, she's not a spelling bee champion. <laughs> Your spell I, but hey. will be complete within 24 to 48 hours of purchase depending on the complexity of your spell so Isn't let me get awesome? this straight so if I pay for this I'll wake up in the morning and all of a sudden my ass will be two times si the size it is right now and just bootylicious it depends on if you want that triple cast or not and remember <laughs> in the memo of your PayPal payment uh, please include the following your name, your date of birth, and your desired results Listen, I want an ass three times the size of my current ass. I want to be able to turn sideways and knock people over. <laughs> uh, you heard of thunder thighs? I want to be able to flap my way to work. I love it. You must be 18 years old to purchase. Psychic, paranormal, haunted, and or magical items are for entertainment purposes only. And she couldn't spell purpose right. What? My ass isn't really going to get bigger? <laughs> I am not responsible for any paranormal activity you may or may not experience. How can she not be responsible for paranormal activity? You 
<laughs> you so, did not so, explain. Wait, wait. We are invoking the dark arts. And if suddenly, because we want a bigger ass, we have a ghost at our door or even a demon, you're not responsible. You're casting the fucking spell. Ghost nothing. That'll be a talking goat. <laughs> <laughs> you rang. <laughs> Someone want a bigger ass? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they call me Billy. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome! All right, let's get into actual the actual podcast. All right, well, actually, before we get into the actual podcast, what? I wanted to talk to you about something. It's it's once again as the all red family turns. And oh my God, there's more more drama. Sort of, just more oddity. And uh, right. I wanted to get your sincere reaction to it because it is just one of those fucked up things that I can't make up if I wanted to. Lay now, it on me. All right. So for our listeners out there, most of you know that, that we are actually going to do a haunted house. We are going professional with it. And due to that, uh, last week I purchased a used coffin, which is pretty kick-ass because it still had the dead smell in it. But, it was awesome. Both of us who looked on there were like, what actually held a dead body? Still has a slight smell? Yes! <laughs> Sold! In fact, I called them the very next morning and picked it up a couple hours later. <laughs> so, all right, so, so we've got this dead cuff, or this coffin, <laughs> and on the very day that I purchased that coffin, a family member dies, Jeff. Now, as my family is sitting there and they are going back and forth disputing what should happen to his three children, whether they should separate them up, I mean, really fucked up shit in dealing with these kids, suddenly my mom turns to me and says, you know what, funerals normally cost $8,000, you know, buying the plot, buying the coffin, buying uh, or paying for cremation, whichever way we go, would you mind if we used your coffin and uh, then we'll just cremate him afterwards. Now, what is your response to that, Charlie? I'm... <laughs> I'm speechless. Yeah. Yeah, they, they actually... So here is a dead family member. They're already sitting there talking about splitting up his three girls. And then and by they the turn way, to... can we borrow that coffin that still has a slight smell in it yeah. to display his body? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter that we actually believe there is a spirit there and that this spirit will be standing at his funeral. Let's just grab a used coffin and just pass it around the family. Did you I mean, inform your family that the lady told you that the aura of the first dead person was still in the coffin? Yeah. Of course, I did it while I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but I... I, I, I I really don't know what to make of this. I mean, seriously, whenever it comes to money, religion just falls to the wayside. They can have at it. They can certainly use the coffin. Uh, it's too late. Uh, the family got into a big argument over it and decided that Jeff really would be standing over the funeral, and so they wanted to prove to him that they cared about him, so they're buying a coffin. And I told them that if they are going to cremate Jeff, I get the coffin he was in. Dibs on that coffin. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Dibs on that coffin. So anyway, that is another episode from As the All Red Family Turns, and I can't make this shit up if I tried. That is just bizarre. You're telling me? Imagine being in my case where here's my, my dead family member, and suddenly the entire family's looking at me going, oh, by the way, can we borrow your coffin for a few hours? Wow. I would, I would say, yeah, why not? But apparently they, they think that this guy's actual spirit is going to be really disappointed if he got a used coffin. Yeah, well, basically what I responded was uh, I'd have to talk to you about it, and until the decision was made, I wasn't coming to you to ask you to borrow a coffin for one of my family members. I mean, that's just... that That's not a conversation you can... Uh, this is like a movie. I, I swear, this is fucked up shit. And this is what my family is like. That's all I've got to say is, you guys don't believe me, but my family is really fucked up. So on that side of uh, depressing and just awfully fucked up, Charlie and I are now going to move into two more podcasts out there from the religious persuasion. And uh, I'd really, really like to start with Love Worth Finding on OnePlace.com. 
Now, the great thing about this is it's done by a Dr. Adrian Rogers. So you know, first and foremost, that this guy has to know what he's talking about. He's a doctor. Of course, all doctors know what they're talking about. Exactly. So I decided to look up his education. He graduated high school. He uh, so got just a, like Kent Hovind. Just like so Kent Hovind. Um, so far, so good. He got a, a BA at Stetson University. Is that where they learned how to make cologne? Is all I can I, figure. I don't know what Stetson University is. Yeah, yeah. Well, then he got a master's degree at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, much okay. like Kent Hovind. Starting to get suspicious. Yep, yep. And uh, then you move into his doctorates or his honorary degrees where he's got a doctorate of divinity from Trinity College. Hmm. Uh-huh. That sounds familiar. He's got a literarum doctor at the California Graduate School of Theology. Mm-hmm. He has he has a ton of others of these and they're all from religious schools. And I, I just sit there and I look and I'm like, you can't call yourself a doctor just because you have the Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary of Liberty University saying, oh, well, here's a doctorate. It's an honorary degree. You have a degree in nothing. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, if you hold up your fake nothing against a real doctor's degree, yours will weigh less. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the the, uh, podcaster, right? Yes, yes. So he's got numerous, he's a multi-educated dude with numerous doctoral degrees. Yes. So this should be a really good podcast. This guy should really know what he's talking about. I agree entirely. Now, the reason why I wanted to choose him is because as a doctor, he should understand things as important as pain, which is actually what his entire talk is about, which we are going to get into. Now, this first clip is his description of pain, and it's very astute, so I wanted to play it for everybody out there. There are many kinds of pain. Physical pain, obvious. Emotional pain, uh, spiritual pain. Man that is born of woman knows pain. As opposed to a man who is born of man. (laughs) They're totally pain-free. Yes, yes, and... uh, I love the listing of pain. You have physical pain, you have emotional pain, and then let's just slide spiritual pain in there. Now, my question is, how the fuck do you measure spiritual pain? You walk into a doctor, oh, doc, I see your pain chart up there. I'm about a a six on the spiritual pain measurement. You've never been kicked in the spirit? (laughs) God, that hurts. Yeah, I, I truly do hate it when my spirit gets kicked. (laughs) <laughs> it's a different scale. <laughs> Why don't it's a we scale have... f- <laughs> on this scale from Episcopalian to Jew. How much pain are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling Muslim at the moment, but there's a little <laughs> bit of Mormon tossed in there as well. So, oh uh, my God, I'm having a bad day. All right, so so let's let's move past the fact that he actually believes there's a spirit and that your spirit is in pain. And uh, let's hear what else he has to say. We suffer from wars (laughs) we didn't declare. And we eat the bitter fruit of plants and trees that we did not cultivate. What? (laughs) He's basically going on to say that the pain we suffer isn't our own doing. Because we are suffering from wars which we never declared. Because after all, it's not a matter that we are sending our soldiers overseas. The wars are here on our lands. We're eating fruit that we didn't cultivate, so screw you, all you people with store-bought fruit. (laughs) You should be eating it straight from your backyard. Exactly. Exactly. So if we don't want to suffer physical pain, we should cultivate our own fruit. And we should stop allowing ourselves to declare war. Absolutely. Well, you get caught up in wars that other people declare, though, so that doesn't help. <laughs> we're, just, yes. we're just fucked. We're just fucked either way. All right, so what else does he have to say? As a matter of fact, uh, the atheists and the agnostics have worked out a little syllogism. It goes this way. Uh, we're cast 
on a threefold question. Perhaps when all of this suffering comes, God really does care, but he has no power. He can't do anything about it. So therefore, he is sort of a wimpy, impotent God, not worthy of service because he cares, but he can't do anything about it. Or the other part of the equation is that he has the power. He could do something about it, but he doesn't care. He just lets us suffer, twist like a worm in hot ashes, and he sits up there in his heaven dispassionately and doesn't care. Or else, there's no God at all. And so the atheist asks us, which of these three things when your pain is it? A God who cares, who can't do anything about it? Or a God who could do something about it, but doesn't? A non-loving God? Or is there no God at all? Number three. <laughs> well, see, the amazing part is, the, the reason why I added the, that in there, is he actually grasps the concepts. He grasps what we are pointing out here, especially since his entire talk is about pain. And he actually states that he will refute the atheist and the agnostic, but he right. never does. He's setting up the problem of evil, and typically when you do that, you jump right into your theodicy, to your response to the problem of evil. So what was his response? Nothing. He just... Really? He just moved into all sorts of reasons why we are in pain. His, his whole basis, the reason why we suffer pain, it's not God's doing, it's man's doing. Because it's man's fault that we fell out of the Garden of Eden. It's man's fault that we actually are here suffering because God created the Garden of Eden for all of us to live there happily, but it's because of that goddamn Adam and Eve fucking up everything for the rest of us. That is his yeah, well, the, solution. The easy response is, I didn't fuck it up, God. Why don't you care about my suffering? Yeah. If you Where want to punish my someone... fruit that I get to eat from the, <laughs> the tree? Punish Adam. Punish Eve. Don't punish their children. What kind of dipshit fucked up system of justice is that? I'm telling you, it's, it's his justice. This... This is what he says is the answer to the problem of evil. It's Listen, that son, man is causing it. Your dad owes me some money, so I'm just going to punch you in the face. <laughs> and it's because your dad owes me money that I'm also going to kneecap you as I go by. Oh, wait. I'm going to continue punching you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have and the money? Where's your sister at? Let me go punch her in the face. When you have a baby, I'm going to punch that baby in the face. So these guys, uh, these preachers do this all the time. They'll set up the problem of evil, and then they'll just go, those dumb atheists, we know better, we know God exists, and then they just move on. Yeah, and that is exactly what he did. Now, why don't we move to the next clip and actually hear where he moves on to. Problems are real. Pain is real. And if you don't get some solution, if you don't have some answer, it'll cause discouragement. You get discouraged in your Christian life. Worse than discouragement, it might cause rebellion. It might cause you to lift a clenched fist in the face of God and say, God, how did you let this happen? Why, God, do I suffer as I do? Or even greater the question, why do my loved ones suffer as they suffer? If you're not careful, you can have a spirit of rebellion. Or, if not discouragement and rebellion, just sheer doubt. I fell asleep. What did he say? <laughs> he was basically going on that uh, all of his people out there and all those that believe should completely ignore pain and suffering. Because if you don't ignore it, suddenly you're going to develop doubt, anger towards God, and disbelief. And that is a very dangerous place to be. Yeah, I mean, you got to. he's saying you got to come to grips with it somehow. And if you don't you'll end up, you know, doubting. And heaven forbid we doubt anything. We should just go around accepting everyone's word for everything. Yeah, forgive me for saying so, but the people who are suffering and the people who are watching their families suffer have every goddamn right to look up in the sky if they believe in God and say, what the fuck are you trying to pull here? That would, yeah, 100%, absolutely. Uh, and I don't, I'm not, there will be no answer to that. 
Of course not. I mean, how do you explain a three-year-old boy getting cancer? How is that part of God's plan? What did that boy do to cause pain? Nothing. Adam bit the apple, you dick. Oh, sorry. In that case, uh, doctor, (laughs) (laughs) I take back my entire mocking of everything you have to say. (laughs) And with that, let's just move into the next thing he has to say. Ours is a sick world, and it is a sin-sick world. Well, why? Why did this happen? Well, when Adam sinned, Adam dragged the entire creation down with him. It's called the bondage of corruption. God did not create this world this way. Some people say, if God created everything, why did God create evil? Why did God create pain? God did not do that. God is a good God. And when God made a creation, God stepped back and God said, it is good. God made everything good. Now what this good God did, however, is to make man perfect. And when this good God made man perfect, he gave man a gift. And that was the gift of choice. He made man perfect and perfectly free. Now don't forget this. You see, because if you don't, you're going to get a faulty syllogism. So his his response, his theodicy is that uh, we have choice, and through our wrong choices, we bring evil into the world. Yep. Basically, everything God created, including us, is good, and that we are perfect here. Let, let me just tell you one thing. The only thing perfect about me is my ass. So yeah. It's certainly not your dick. No, no, that's much too small. In fact, uh, that's one of the reasons why I shake my fist at God and go, Why the pain? I can't even find it to masturbate. Why? (laughs) Why do you make it so hard to sin, Lord? (laughs) I want the sin of Odin. Why won't you let me have it? Sin of Odin, not the the sin of Thor's father. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's good enough for me, but... That's what we get when we start recording these things late anyway. (laughs) It's crazy, isn't it? He's talking about the sin of Adam and bringing evil into the world. But you remember that was addressed in the New Testament in John 9, where Jesus healed the uh, man who was born blind. Verse 1, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. So apparently Jesus' theodicy is that bad shit happens so God can show everyone what an awesome dude he is. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense to me. Now, now the one thing I love that that they don't seem to really grasp is, okay, so God created all mankind and all the world, everything perfectly, everything good. And it's because of Adam and Eve that all the evil came into this world. Now, my question is, is if Adam and Eve are responsible for all of this, what kind of sentence did they get? Are they getting their asses poked in hell? Well, uh, Adam was sentenced to till the ground, um, bring forth fruit by the sweat of his brow, and Eve was sentenced to uh, wriggle on her belly without arms or legs. (laughs) I think that was the snake. That was a snake. Eve had to give childbirth. Yeah, painful childbirth, which is why you women just have to accept the pain of birth, because you ate the apple first. Well, we're um, thwarting God's will every time we give a woman an epidural. (laughs) But God's powerless to stop it. And that's why God doesn't like doctors. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I'm serious here. If somebody caused that much tribulation to just flow forward and their punishment is to till the earth, and the woman to have pain while she's uh, giving birth, that's not enough punishment to to cover an entire world of pain. Well, you know, we have um, now have machines to till the earth and uh, epidurals, so we've defeated both of God's sentences. <laughs> Fuck you, God, we've beat you. Yeah, we hey, have God, defeated you. What you got next? Come on, bring it. <laughs> we got another 2,000 years to come up with a remedy to your curse. <laughs> The omnipotent overseer of the universe is hereby thwarted by little anesthesiologists and farmers. (laughs) You know what, God? 
I dare you. Why don't you curse me with hemorrhoids right now? And trust me, you ain't getting any golden hemorrhoids back as an offer. <laughs> yeah, easy. You don't have any gold to shape more hemorrhoids, so be careful. <laughs> all right, all right. Let, let's listen to what else this doctor has to say. That is, he gave man a choice. Why did God give to man a choice? Because God wanted something from man that is unique, special, wonderful, and glorious. He wants man's love. He wants you to love him. That's the highest good, to love God and to love one another. For God is love. The greatest commandment is to love God with all of your being, so therefore the greatest sin would be not to love God. That's a lot of loving. Yeah, so basically, God is cursing us, causing us all sorts of pain. Oh, excuse me, man is doing it because uh, we're the ones that created the bacteria or even the microbe that crawls up your penis, expands, and uh, basically destroys you. God is doing all of this because he wants our love. Yeah, does he go any further into that? Because really those two statements don't follow each other. He doesn't. That's the statement. Uh, perhaps he's been at like a battered woman's shelter and he figures God is like a, a husband uh, wearing a Mexican wife beater beating his wife. I mean, I, I can't fathom where he would come to this conclusion. Why does it have to be a Mexican wife beater again? No, wife beater. It's that little plain sh like tank top shirt with mustard stains all over it. You've never seen a Mexican wife beater? What kind of culture have you lived in that you've never heard of a Mexican wife beater shirt? Does a Chinese wife beater shirt exist? Doesn't count. Only Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen those in movies. I'm just I know what a wife beater is. I just I've never heard it specifically called a Mexican wife beater before. Well, that's the only way I've ever heard it specified. <laughs> okay, so on that note <laughs> Let's move on to the next clip. Well, somebody says, well, okay, if Adam and Eve sinned, why didn't God just step in and God stop it? Why doesn't God just kill the devil and why doesn't God destroy evil? It would not be good for God to just step in and destroy evil. If God were to step in and destroy evil, God would be destroying freedom. If God destroyed freedom, God would destroy the opportunity to love. If God destroyed the opportunity to love, God will destroy the highest good. So God does not destroy evil. Now listen, the key point, God defeats evil. And there is a big difference. Isn't that convenient for God? That he just has to sit on his big fat ass on top of a bunch of clouds and just sit there and do nothing. Yeah. Listen, why couldn't he have created this all-powerful God a bunch of human beings who always freely chose the good. Or better yet, so if God stops evil, that takes away choice. That was his statement. So if God stopped that earthquake, it would take away the choice of the people cowering in the high-rises as it's collapsing? That's the problem with these um, free will arguments. Uh, they don't address natural evil. They just address human-caused evil. So that, this tells me that the HIV virus, God doesn't put a stop to it because the virus has a choice and he doesn't want to take away that choice from his creation? That's right. If, you, if you're not a slut, you won't get HIV. Next. Yeah. Next. There's a curse on the animal kingdom. And what uh, the evolutionist calls the law of the survival of the fittest, tooth and claw and fang and blood, all that is is creation groaning under the curse. <laughs> There's also a curse on the mineral kingdom. Genesis 3 verse 17. God said, Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Have you ever tried to grow a garden? It's not easy. To grow weeds is easy. I had no idea fruits and vegetables were in the mineral kingdom. <laughs> well, uh, I had no no clue that the animal kingdom was cursed, that it was because of Adam that the animals just suddenly turned on one another and go, mmm, chicken tastes good. I just, I don't get it. God's up there going, fuck you, quartz. <laughs> well... You know, he does have a point there. Fuck you, Diamond. You're so goddamn hard. You think you're so hard? Fuck you. <laughs> you're cursed. You want some of this? Take it. 
take it like a bitch. No plant will ever grow through you, Diamond. Take that, Mercury. You're metal, but you're a fucking liquid. Eat it! <laughs> yeah, I can see God up there cursing Mercury. That, that makes perfect <laughs> sense. It makes as much sense as cursing the animal kingdom and the mineral kingdom. I Maybe just... the only weed that God wants us to grow is marijuana. This guy has multiple doctorates, and this is his idea of science. This the, is his The idea. entire universe is placed under a curse. Yeah. And this is his idea on why we have pain. This is his... I mean, we he had eight doctorates, and this is his way of expressing why we are in pain. I still don't know why God is mad at calcium. Well, uh, maybe it's because calcium is in our bones, and he's just upset at man and trying to curse calcium so we get osteoporosis. What about tungsten? What has he got against tungsten? <laughs> Alchemists tried to do stuff. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, do we get some more science? Because I'm really liking the science stuff. Okay. All right. So let's move to the next science portion of his lecture. <laughs> and and really, I I'm pretty much of an ecologist. I I believe in ecology. I, I like clean air and pure water and nice trees. And I believe in being kind animals. You can do all you want to do with ecology, but friend, you're not going to change it. If you think you're going to change it or retrieve it through ecology. Uh, you, you ought to get your job rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Uh, the golden age is going to come tomorrow. It is tomorrow's conquest, not, not today's uh, energy, that's going to change this old world. This world is going to be changed. I mean, planet Earth is going to be changed. There will be a new birth for planet Earth when Jesus comes again. This guy is so well acquainted with the sciences, he believes ecology means environmental activism. Yes. And not only that, but he, he likes to point I'm out... I'm down with ecology. I'm down with ecology. <laughs> now, there's an education for you. I like being nice to animals. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep the planet clean, but guess what? It's fucked anyway, so why are you even trying? That planet you're sweeping up, it's cursed! It'll yeah. get dirty again. It's fucked. The only thing you've got <laughs> to look forward to is when God comes down. So it's not in this world where you're going to get clean air and happy, fresh streams. It's when God steps in. So, and this is one of my big problems with fundamentalists, right? They really don't give a shit about the planet because uh, Jesus is going to come tomorrow. Yeah. What the fuck you care if I'm polluting with my SUV uh, because Jesus will just clean up all this pollution. This world ain't gonna last long. We're living in the last days, for God's sakes. Yeah, why are you yeah. worried? Well, yeah. Why? Why do we care that cows are farting so much that they're taking off the ozone? Hey, no worries. Jesus. Global warming. Yes. You just have to worry about hell warming. That's what you gotta worry about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Earth's temperature has only risen by point one degree. That's what we have to worry about? Bah, you scientists should take your global warming and shove it up your ass. 0 0.6 degrees. Okay, close enough. I, I didn't have any sort of reference. I just knew uh, <laughs> one of them claimed something stupid like that. Yeah, and that's the average temperature. It's like the temperature everywhere on the planet. Anyway, <laughs> I'm really enjoying this um, science. Yes. This guy's brilliant, well-deserving of eight doctorates. Yep, well, you know you got to give it where it's due. So let's move on to what he has to say next. Praise God. Nothing. So Paul is sitting there. Paul knew suffering. He knew what it was to have the lash laid on his back. He knew what it was to fast. He knew what it was to be pickled in the Mediterranean when he was shipwrecked. He knew what it was to languish in prison. He knew what it was to need food and water and clothing. But Paul says in Romans 8, 18, I've been doing some figuring, and I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Now, folks, you listen to me. You have a choice. God gave you a choice like he gave Adam a choice. And there's no reason that you should be in hell when all this is going on. There's no reason you should miss it. Because Jesus Christ suffered and bled and died for you, and the last Adam, Jesus, has undone what the first Adam did in the Garden of Eden. I'd rather be a saved sinner than an innocent angel. 
to have what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. People pay to listen to this shit? Not only do they pay, but did you hear the sound of that audience that was out there? You have babies sniffling, people coughing. I mean, that's a full audience out there. But yeah, this They're is his whole... away with this stupid little sermon on Paul. You know, that verse that he quoted probably sent hundreds of people to their deaths, right? Hey, don't worry about the present. The glory in, in the future, once you die... Uh, will put this present to shame, no matter how much you suffer. Yeah. Uh, glory in, in your future throne in heaven. So all these people stupidly went to their death because of that verse. Yep, and, and that's one of the like reasons it. why I thought it was so important to bring it out, is because you have this jackass doing an entire sermon on pain and why it's there, and he keeps quoting this Paul scripture and stating that, oh, the reason why this scripture is in there is to say your pains of nowadays are nothing compared to the pains of yesterday and he doesn't even have a single clue that that single verse was sending people flinging themselves at death I had no idea Paul was such a masochist well you know uh, when you're pickled in the uh, sea as he put it I guess it gives you a pause to think uh, I think he's just got a pickle fetish <laughs> He's sitting there, you know, taking lashes from his dominatrix mistress and having pickles shoved in different orifices. Well, we could just now call him Pickle Fucker. You get, I mean, you uh, Eve, right? Weren't you the one who theorized that Eve had a cucumber for the first dildo? I would expect so. Now, the real question is, did she eat it and did Paul eat the pickle afterwards? <laughs> That's, that's the real question. That's the real question. That is the real question. Is did they eat it afterwards? I can accept that Eve is using a cucumber to pleasure herself. I can accept that Paul's bent over with a dominatrix shoving a pickle up his ass. But I want to know did were, did they eat it afterwards? Did the dominatrix force Paul to eat it? That is a valid and, and actually the only true question in this whole scenario. <laughs> it is stated by the one true podcast, so it is the only one true question. <laughs> All right. Unfortunately, Charlie, I don't have any more of him to share with you. That's it. I was uh, I was enthralled by the scientific knowledge I was gleaning. I'm sure we were I'm gonna, all. Enthralled. The next time I see a patient, I'm like, "That's not strep, you fool. That's a curse." <laughs> now you got to understand, the entire animal kingdom was cursed. You, me, the entire animal kingdom. And Those in fact, vitamins Doc you're taking. Stump- those vitamins are cursed. Yeah. And God would put a stop to that virus, but he doesn't want to step in the way of that virus's yes. freedom of choice. It is it is group A strep's freedom of choice to cause that retropharyngeal abscess that is going to take your life. Sorry. I could prevent it with some antibiotics, but I would interfere with the bacteria's free choice to kill you. Yep. And uh, I am sorry, I will not play God in this instance. I, but you got to believe that I'm really compassionate. <laughs> <laughs> Even fact, though I'm standing here with a syringe filled with penicillin that at any time I could go over there and cure you of this illness. But I can't interfere with choice. Exactly. That bacteria and is perfect and perfectly free. Not only do you have to look on me with complete reverence, but you have to offer me your love. And 10% of your income. <laughs> well, that's only For me place. to sit here on my cloudy ass and do nothing. <laughs> hey, I'd pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> pay nothing. You need to worship that. That oh, is what yeah. these people are worshiping. Yep. A completely inactive God who doesn't answer prayers and doesn't do shit because, heaven forbid, he interferes with anybody's freedom of choice. Yeah, including viruses. I'm sorry. I, I don't understand. We're coming in and saving somebody who is disease-ridden. How is that disturbing their freedom of choice? I don't understand why Jesus even bothered casting demons out. You know, the the guy clearly made some uh, decisions that led to those demons getting inside his ass. Why would he expel the demons out of his ass and into the pig's ass? Well, that brings up a whole other thing. Why are there demons in the first place? God created these demons. And if Jesus, according to this doctor's ideas... If Jesus cast those demons out of the man, Legion, if they cast Legion out, 
wouldn't that be interfering with their free will as God's creations? I don't know. Maybe they, I, I can't get into their head. Yeah. Clearly but, that clearly that guy did something, unless they're positing that demons have the power to just possess anybody. Clearly that guy must have sinned somehow to let all those demons in. Well, I think the most fitting thing after listening to this, uh, this dumbass Problem of Pain podcast is when I was looking up that dude's education level, I found out that he actually died of pneumonia while, uh, and the pneumonia was a complication due to the cancer that was being treated. <laughs> that seemed just rather fitting to me considering the pain I just went through listening to his podcast. Yeah, well, he got you back. He got me back? How so? He suffered a little. You just suffered a lot. That's a good point. That's a very good point. That masochistic son of a bitch. <laughs> that Even in his deathbed, he gets <laughs> He reaches out after his cancer-ridden pneumonia death to cause more and more pain to everyone. <laughs> he knows suffering. Well, on that note, I think we should turn to happier thoughts. And uh, for that, let's turn to The Break with Father Roderick. Now, I don't know if anybody, any of you have ever listened to this dude, but he actually sounds like a surfer who just climbed out of the water and uh, is now throwing on a religious podcast. And to give you a little taste, let's listen to this. But it's very thin fabric, and it's, uh, it's artificial fabric. It's uh, polyester. And so... Um, it, it, it it has the the advantage of of not being as heavy and and suffocating as the 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 more beautiful chasubles. I can't imagine walking around in a in a black cassock and then you know have all sorts of other layers over on top of that. I I think it would be inhumane. It would be dangerous. I think to celebrate mass in in uh, in, in classic chasubles. <laughs> I kid you not. This is how this dude sounds the entire way through. And what he was talking about there is the fact that it was really hot. I am not kidding you. He goes on for 10 minutes about how hot it is outside. I kept sitting there waiting, going, wait, this is a religious podcast. Sooner or later, he's going to get to something religious. He starts talking about church and suddenly moves directly into this chasuble into this gown that they are forced to wear and how proud and thankful he is that he gets to wear the thinner one rather than the classic one. Uh, fascinating. Not really. I got to tell you, he's a, he's a happy priest. Yeah, yeah. If there was ever a geek priest out there, it would be him. <laughs> and uh, why don't we hear what else he has to say? Who had, who had the idea of, well, if, if the Netherlands win then perhaps we can all, you know, toll the bells of our churches. And, of course, that caused controversy because some Catholics were like, no, you can't do that. Bells are for, you know, for worship, and, and they should, we should not support these mundane things. I mean, I think the, the, the idea behind it was sympathetic, and, you know, it's kind of un-Catholic to be so heavy-handed about stuff like that. But it, it just shows that there's a lot of, still a lot of tension in my country, and, and it's because of all the pressure on the church lately and... You know the the whole secular um, anti religion movement, and so you you almost see like a a, a counter reaction to that that the Catholics become so serious, and so I don't know. All right, so basically, what he's going on about is uh, with all the soccer matches going on and the excitement around there. Uh, oh, so what country is he from? Oh, he's over in like Denmark or something, and okay. so basically, they're all getting upset because. Uh, for their country, they want to ring the bells of the Catholic churches whenever, uh, whenever one of their teams wins. Now, the fascinating thing about that is he starts saying that it is un-Catholic to be so heavy-handed. Did he just forget the last 2,000 years Catholicism was in charge? Listen, it's okay to put the thumbscrews to people. You can light them on fire. Uh, you can torture the living shit out of them. But, uh... Preventing people from ringing bells, that's a little heavy-handed. <laughs> well, not only that, but what I loved at the very last of his statement is he was kind of pointing out that the anti-religious, the atheists and the agnostics were the reason why there was so much controversy out here. That it's because of us pressuring 
Catholicism and religion itself that there's so much controversy. Well, I think in Denmark the um, secularists and atheists are a lot farther along than than uh, we are here in the United States. He may have a point. They may well be winning over in Denmark. They may be the majority in Denmark. And I am glad to hear that. It, it's but... hard for for me to even realize a society living here right smack in the middle of Zion. Yeah, bumfuck Utah. Yeah, that an atheist that the atheist would be the majority. Um, but uh, I think that in in Europe it's certainly headed in that direction, and uh, hopefully in the United States we're gaining ground. Yeah, well we're working on it, but I don't know. Just the whole comment that he's blaming all of this uptightness on atheists and anti-religious. Yeah. That, that that's what, just so we, that's we, a much. We make fun of Catholics. We laugh at Catholics. We mock Catholics. We call them to the carpet for molesting children <laughs> because they, they certainly don't call themselves to the carpet, right? Yeah. They, um, they do their best to hide it as much as possible, and they don't want to get themselves in trouble or, heaven forbid, the church in trouble. Um, and so I guess the reaction to that is that uh, the Catholics get serious? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, because as, as if their church doesn't have a history of being the most serious church in the world. Right. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. So let's move on to his next statement. Playing soccer during mass. That is, and I, I mean, nobody buys into that. And then there's a whole slew of Catholics, like 90 percent of the Catholics. They're like scandalized. It's like, oh, come on. Did mass? The, it's the mo, it's the heart of the church. It's it's so sacred what we celebrate during mass, isn't it? Why yes. And and the the funniest thing to me is. In his very last statement, so we're talking like within the last five minutes, he's talking about how it's uncatholic to be so heavy-handed. And then he starts talking about how in the news there was a priest who wanted to get his congregation involved, and so uh, the priest walked in wearing the colors of uh, the soccer team of his country, and of course there was excitement in there, a soccer ball was kicked around, that sort of thing. And so he's sitting there berating this priest for getting his own parishioners excited. Huh, uh, that's uh, bizarre. I'm having a hard time following this guy's logic uh, back and forth. I mean, he's at, at one time saying, you know, God, you guys shouldn't be so worried about uh, people ringing bells. And then he's he's against a, a Catholic priest wearing the colors of his favorite soccer? Or was yeah. he for it? He was against it. He was he completely was against it. Against it. In fact, he was absolutely offended that this priest, this fellow father, would actually rise to that level and uh, completely cause rowdiness within Mass, which is the most sacred thing. So I, this guy is a whack job at best. Well, I mean, I got news for you. You gotta, uh, you gotta do something to capture the population, especially in Denmark, where people don't give two shits about religion. Uh, yeah, they, you have a waning it. market here, waning. Right. Yeah, he was really saying that 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 father was fucked up for, for trying to get his parishioners involved. And in the last statement, he's like, well, the Catholic Church isn't known for being heavy-handed. Fuck you. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so... Let's move on to his next words of wisdom. But I would, I would never kind of turn Sunday Mass into a soccer festivity. I, there's, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Anyway, as many people should say, don't complain about darkness, but light, light a light yourself or light a candle yourself. And perhaps I should stay positive. But it, it's sad to see that, that things like this uh, you know, cause a lot of controversy, uh, even among Catholics. And there's this, this big war going on. You know, people are against this priest and people are for this priest. And, uh, the liturgy is not a battleground. It's a place where you should meet God. And all the while he's got this funny music in the background. Well, actually, that funny music is for his break. At, <laughs> at the 18-minute mark, suddenly this music pops on. I was already half asleep. This music pops on. I'm looking around going, is that outside of my headphones, or am I actually hearing this? And then he says, oh, got to go on break. And he actually has a couple of commercials. Then he comes back on, and then, like 20 minutes later, he has another break and more commercials. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that. I don't. What is this guy sitting in a radio station and spinning records? I don't understand it. 
It's a podcast, for God's sakes. Yeah, it it, it doesn't make a lick of sense. What were all. the commercials on? You want to know who the commercials are on? Well, yeah. the very next clip that I saved is a commercial. So I think we should play it for our fans. Are you super healthy? Do you have the perfect weight? Do you work out every day? Do you pray from morning till evening? Are all your actions motivated by hope, faith, and love? Is every day of your life filled with virtue, charity, and healthy choices? In that case, don't listen to Healthy Catholic. You don't need it. But for the rest of us, if you struggle to keep a good balance in your life between work, family, and faith... If you want to learn more about healthy eating, if you could drop a few pounds and get stronger and fitter, you might want to give Healthy Catholic a try. From weight loss to prayer life, from faith to fitness, this show talks about things that can help your body and your soul. Because your life is a gift and you have to treat it with care. So check out Healthy Catholic on sqpn.com. Unless, of course, you're already a saint. If that's the case, I'm sure you have other things to do. Uh, so that was that guy doing the commercial who was actually doing the podcast. Yep. And is it an advertisement for another podcast that he does? A, a, no, I, I don't know if it's another podcast he does, but it's an advertisement, and it was a minute long exactly. And uh, I would like to point out that you could have summarized that down to about five seconds. Hey, fat ass, if you are a lazy fat ass, then listen to Healthy Catholic. That's all the advertisement this dude needs. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I guess I'm just not getting this. Uh, this is bizarre to me. This guy's a Catholic priest, and he is doing a podcast which is sponsored by a different podcast that you know he may or may not be involved in. Uh, if he's involved in it, then it's odd for him to be doing this. If he's not involved in it, then he's whoring himself out as talent for some other podcast. I don't... Well, let, let me Does this like, guy have no parishioners? I, I don't... Does he have no duties as a Catholic priest? He must Doesn't he have not. young altar boys to molest? He has to have some altar boy where he can part the hair, but all he does is these podcasts. And... I think this is his full-time position in the church. And the reason why I think that is he actually has Lord of the Rings podcast that he does, where they talk about how Tolkien was a Catholic, and they start talking about the hidden meaning of Catholicism within Tolkien's writings. They also ha or He also has a podcast on Star Trek, where they sit around and they discuss such things as whether or not data has a soul or whether or not too much technology is a bad thing. This dude does nothing but podcasts all day. That last one sounds pretty good. Yeah, I know. Actually, I was thinking we should probably do one of those. <laughs> that may be a later one, so anybody out there listening to us, fuck you, don't go near it. We are probably going to do a podcast on his gay-ass Lord of the Rings or his gay-ass Star Trek. No wonder that fan calls you heterosexist. Why is that? There's nothing gay about that podcast. It was awful happy. <laughs> hey, you pick your definition of gay, I'll pick mine. I'm starting to understand. <laughs> You're starting to understand why we have a dumbass listener who doesn't like us, leaves a, leaves a review, and then listens to us again to see if we actually mention it? I'm starting to understand how you piss off all of our listeners what, that I have carefully cultivated and brought into our podcast. What kind of careful cultivation have you ever done? All that research, all that care I take to bring all these new fans in for you to just piss them off and then they leave one star, two star reviews and then they lengthen the review and remove one star because iTunes, I'm sure that would have been a zero star review but iTunes only lets you put one star on. <laughs> Charlie, we each have a role to play. Your role is to bring them in. My role is to send them screaming. <laughs> uh, excellent. All right. Fantastic. What else you got? All right. And, and a lot of the themes and stories that he tells have profound Catholic roots, 
And it's not it's not in the same way as, let's say, the Narnia Chronicles, where it's an allegory, you know, like everything is a one on has a one on one relationship with the gospel and the line is Jesus, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Tolkien didn't like that at all. He's like, I'm I'm a Catholic. I write a story. But it's 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 don't look at 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 Frodo and say oh that Frodo is Jesus or you know that that's that's not how you should read a story like this. Um, actually, this story can have so many different interpretations, and every generation will read it with different eyes. But the values, the core values in that story of friendship, of self sacrifice, the battle against evil, those are so fundamental themes, um, such fundamental themes. And there is such a strong Catholic inspiration that kind of is the undercurrent of these stories that I thought it would be a, a great, a great series, a, a great way to kind of build a bridge between all these gamers that love to play in the world of Lord of the Rings Online and at the same time this Catholic world of Tolkien. Oh my God! <laughs> I had to leave that in because in one breath he actually states that Tolkien told people. Leave Catholicism out of my writings. And then in the next statement he says, but even though it's not an allegory, much like the uh, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, he's like, there are so many teachings in it. What the hell, dude? Yeah, well, um, Jesus. Tolkien was rather disdainful of Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe and, and C.S. Lewis's fiction writing because it was so fucking obvious. It, you cannot read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe without seeing the stuff and uh, every single aspect of the gospel hammered into you over and over and over again with a massive, massive cartoon hammer. I mean, it's it's awful. And uh, he thought it was laughable. Uh, and I think C.S. Lewis was really disappointed about that. But, God, grow a fucking brain and write something original. Um, I don't think I, I'd have to listen to the podcast to see if this guy is actually right in that he stuck some Catholic stuff in there. But if it's not a one-to-one -one allegory, then you're going to be hard-pressed to uh, make any sort of argument that uh, it's inspired by Catholicism or it has anything to do with Catholicism. Well, you'd be hard-pressed to prove any of that, but I think the most telling aspect of their podcast, which I, I didn't, I'm not going to force all of our listeners to listen to this, but he actually describes how he gets together with his friends to do the Lord of the Rings podcast, and how that is, is they all get on that Lord of the Rings online game, and they all meet at a tavern, and then they just talk as they're in the tavern looking around at things. <laughs> I kid you not. He actually states that that is exactly how he records the podcast. The only thing uh, that would be better than that would be a video of them sitting around in their room, <laughs> networked to the computers, while in the online world, they're inside a tavern. Yeah. That would be sheer, utter genius. Yeah. I. <laughs> Unfortunately, guys, we are probably going to have to revisit this dude's podcast on the Lord <laughs> of the Rings and Star Trek, just because of... I don't know if there's a level of geeky high enough that can reach this. I can't wait. But of course it'll be after Proposition 8, which is going to be next week. I thought it was supposed to be this week. Yeah, well, you were wrong. This is part two of our religious <laughs> podcast takedowns. You just love proving me wrong, don't you? <laughs> next everything. week. Next week, Proposition 8. <laughs> and on that note, that's it. Bye. I'm not going to do that.